Think about it like a campfire. When all the logs are together in a fire, they're all burning really hot. But if you pull a log away by itself, even though it's still burning on fire and it's still red, how quickly it will just completely fade down to nothing, just a plain old log when it's by itself. But hey, when you grab it again and throw it back on that fire, boom, immediately it's just, it's ignited. It's back with the other logs. Hi, this is Pastor Tim. This is Pastor John. And this is Every Moment His, a podcast where we pick apart our sermon here at Holy Cross in Kearney, Nebraska, and kind of go deeper into how it applies into every moment of our lives. Today, we, are, uh, we have a special guest. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, mystery guest. Hey, this is Jolene Berkey. I am your director of music here at Holy Cross. Great. Great. And uh, this is the first time you've been on the show. It is. So welcome. But you're one of our biggest fans, I think. I, I really am. Yes. <laughs> we need some merch. We do. T-shirt. Some stickers, mm-hmm. some t-shirts. I would yeah. like that. Some mugs. Maybe a bumper sticker. Yeah. Um, maybe like a, an oven mitt. <laughs> <laughs> koozies, man. Koozies. koozies. That's where it's at. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Is there any music accessories that would be good merch? Golly, I don't know. I you had me at t-shirt. I run yeah. 5Ks strictly for t-shirts, so <laughs> yeah. You had yeah. I just stopped there at t-shirt. Guitar picks. Oh, oh there that, you go. That would be good. Every Drum moment, sticks. his guitar picks. Yeah. Your guys's guitar strap. There you go. Hmm. Now we're talking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're always interested in what people are drinking on the podcast. <laughs> You got a Diet Coke? I, I really do like Diet Coke, and I just, I'm complaining all the time about being cold. And so Tim and I were just <laughs> discussing that I might need to switch to, to hot tea. So mm. I'm going to, yeah, think about some chamomile tea Tim suggested. What is, I've never understood the Diet Coke thing. I, what is know, it about Diet Coke? Here's the silly thing. I used to like Diet Pepsi all my life. I was Diet Pepsi until they took out aspartame. And apparently I really like the taste of aspartame. So I hated Diet Pepsi and, and quit. And that would have been the great time to quit soda altogether. But mm-hmm. no, I worked on Diet Coke until I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's I... It's a very disciplined approach. I, I worked hard. I've been training for this. <laughs> so yes, I don't know. Otherwise, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, it's my cold caffeine. I've always just, I've felt like a vague sense of disappointment every time I drink diet soda because I'm like, I want it to taste like the real thing, Yeah, <laughs> but it doesn't. And I bet you could develop a taste for Diet Coke where maybe you wouldn't even like, like real Coke. That's I'm sure. It. Yeah. That's where I'm at. I said that's I've been training. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Working really hard on it. Black so coffee yeah. all the way. If you drink a real Coke, is it just like. It tastes gross. It's too, sh- too sugary. Too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like drinking pancake syrup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nasty that's probably one of the what ingredients. it is like doing you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna try that when i get home <laughs> which is more refreshing <laughs> pancake syrup i'm gonna put that syrup on ice <laughs> yeah so we thought well we're talking about worship today right yeah before we get there i have a joke oh, oh. great <laughs> <laughs> so the the joke we talked about jolene didn't have a joke Nope. It's okay. Next time. <laughs> Sorry. But on the spot joke. But uh, so my, here's my joke. I I recently um, was trying to invent a belt that also had a watch on it. But then I realized it was just a waste of time. 
Now you see why I always try to like <laughs> ask the joke part and just get to the, the meat of the podcast. Had you heard that one before? No. Uh, you were laughing before the punchline. <laughs> like, this is not a true setup. <laughs> nope. Oh, nope. That's good. Yeah, so today we're going deeper into what it means to be served by God and to serve God in worship. And that goes back to the sermon where we were talking about how in in the worship service, <clears throat> it's not so much that we're serving God, but that God serves us. But when God serves us, we also serve God. It's kind of a back and forth kind of thing. Um, so we're going to go deeper into some of those questions and some aspects of the sermon there. But I thought it'd be kind of fun today to talk about what our favorite hymn or worship mm. song is. Mm. Being that you are the director of the music here, I bet you can't choose right you have so many it is hard it's like choosing among my children it really is but I picked my answer a long time ago when I interviewed for my very first director of music job um, when I was 22 and they asked me this question in my job interview and I just picked it kind of right on the spot because I was super into this group called acapella at the time early 90s um, and they have this hymn he leadeth me and I Mm. just listen and listen and listen and listen and I just picked that when I was 22 as my favorite hymn to get that job and you know I just figured stick with it so I've never deviated if people ask me what my favorite hymn is that's what I say (laughs) is that um, like the traditional yeah. hymn, He Leadeth Me. He Leadeth Me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hmm. I haven't heard that one for a while. But Psalm 23 kind of imagery, He Leadeth Me Beside the Still Waters? Or? No, He Leadeth Me, oh blessed thought, oh. And mm. I, I won't be able to say, I won't be able to call up the words. But yeah, I, is it in the LSB? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not, since we're all struggling. We'll have to see. You yeah. have a very nice voice. Pastor John also vetoes when I when I sing. I don't. No, you know that's true. You encourage no, me. No, I don't. <laughs> I think you're a good chanter. You chant oh, Divine Service Setting One. Yeah, pretty well. You know, I used to be when I was a kid. I was terrified of singing, and I was I like to sing in a choir. But like, if I ever had to be in front of people singing, I was like clam up and just it was very. I would be sweating bullets. And what made me finally lose that fear is uh, actually singing for nursing home services. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. Because in that setting, they're not judging you at all. No. Yeah, right. But a lot of them were also just not very cognitively mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that they could, that did seem to affect them was singing. And I mm-hmm. was just, it was just showing up. It was me and that's it. And it was just singing someone had to sing. And mm-hmm. so it, it just made me lose. It was kind of a service piece because it's like I knew that they wanted to sing, but some of them couldn't. Mm-hmm. And so just singing for those groups just made me say, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. It's just, yeah. a, it's just a thing that just I do. Go for it. Yep. What's your favorite hymn or song? Um, so I have a lot, but right now I think one of my favorites is For All the Saints. Mm-hmm. Mm. And because... I I don't know why, but it just I love the the rich imagery of I think in that in that hymn it says it talks about the rising sun that's gonna be brighter than the day of the resurrection. And I just love that that ultimate hope that we have and so putting especially in the context of mourning when people like it's sung sometimes at funerals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I did a funeral here where it was sung. And uh I, just, I don't know, I just got into it, and uh, 
I like the tune as well. It's kind of a powerful tune, so. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah. What about you, John? So I have a ton. Um, my default is, Oh Love, How Deep, Oh Love, How Wide. Mm. It yeah. was written by uh, Thomas Akempis. Did I say that right? I'm not uh, sure. He was a 14th century monk, I think, but uh, Oh Love, How Deep, How Broad, How Wide, uh, Beyond All Human Fantasy. I'm not going to try to sing it. Um, oh, come on. Uh, is it kind of a minor tune? Okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yes. <laughs> oh Love, How Deep, How Broad, How Wide. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know that mm. one? No. See, songs are regional, right? Because mm-hmm. they kind of are. There are some hymns that we would sing all the time in my past church that we don't sing here, and then vice versa. Yep. Uh, just That's kind of neat. It's That's fun to play on the guitar, too, hmm. with all those minors. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I like that hymn. It's, a, it's very profound sounding. Yeah, yeah, it sounds a little bit medieval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes me want to go jousting. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Because I do that on the Same, weekend yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You know. mm-hmm. It's been uh, a while since I've jousted. So, uh, <laughs> so we've got three questions that we want to talk about uh, with you, Jolene. Uh, really related to worship and thinking back to the sermon. And the first question is, you know, why do we need to gather with other Christians to worship? Why not just worship alone? Especially... I mean, we're all kind of encountering worship mm-hmm. in, a di- in a different way recently. I mean, we've realized, oh, yeah, we could do this at home. <laughs> but while that might be the normal thing people are doing right now for their own health, because we're in a pandemic, which is not normal, um, why, why can't we just continue doing that in normal life? Like, let's say there wasn't a, a pandemic. Why couldn't we just worship at home or on the golf course? You hear that a lot from people, um, you know, when they when they talk about going to worship. You know, I don't see the need for a building. The church is not a building. I can just go to a mountaintop and just put on a Christian playlist and worship God there, and 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 I can just take a walk and and think about God and worship Him there. So you hear that. I think I think you hear that a little bit from people. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Which isn't a bad thing to do. I mean, maybe mm-hmm. do that on Saturday mm-hmm. or. Tuesday. Yeah, or any, yeah, any, anytime. Because, anytime. Yeah, right. like, really, like, our whole lives are supposed to be mm-hmm. worship, right? I mean, every moment, hey, there's a podcast. Yeah, oh. right. That's a good idea. Go. <laughs> yeah. I got the t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, we worship all the time, but, yeah, what about this uh, corporately gathering, like, with the body? Um, yeah, I think it's helpful to strip it down to... Like, we we kind of are spoiled, in a sense. In North America, we have, like, you know, 13 churches on every square mile, something like yeah. that, you know. And and Kearney certainly has lots of churches, but they've kind of become, so we're so used to it that we're used to neglecting it. And uh, our boy, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, in uh, World War II era, he was imprisoned. And he wrote about this, that, that when he was imprisoned, he would he would get some permission to go and visit other Christians in the prison, mm-hmm. and when you're so isolated, it's like this was such a joy that you could go and meet with another Christian, and serve another Christian, and and encourage and be encouraged, and I think we get a little like spoiled, I guess, is what I'm getting at. You know, and I feel like I've experienced that a little bit 
when I see somebody in worship I haven't seen since March. Yeah. Because they've been quarantining, they've been social distancing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen you since March or, or April or something. And, and, and there is this kind of joyful feeling of like, hey, we're in the same family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, family reunion, you know. Uh, uh, Jolene, in our discussion earlier, you shared, uh, I think, a helpful imagery of, of logs. We were talking about it with our daughters when they were little and we used to do family devotions. And I can still remember sitting around in the living room talking about it, why we have to be in worship. And I don't remember how it came up, maybe the topic of our devotion. But um, Sarah, our youngest daughter, piped right up with, well, of course, you have to be in worship because think about it like a campfire. When all the logs are together in a fire, they're all burning really hot. But if you pull a log away by itself, um, even though it's still burning on fire and it's still red, how quickly it will just completely fade down to nothing, just a plain old log um, when it's by itself. But hey, when you grab it again and throw it back on that fire, boom, immediately it's just, it's ignited. It's back with the other logs. And I just, I don't know where she got that imagery, but she piped it up um, immediately into our discussion. And that just Mm -hmm. has really stuck with me. We don't want to be that burned out log off by ourselves. Yeah. I think too, just to add to this a little bit too, I think even the idea that Christians have of salvation is part of it because in like an Eastern uh, philosophy or an Eastern religion, like in Hinduism or in Buddhism, salvation, which is, there's a different word for that. Salvation would be nirvana, or uh, I think it's moksha, mm-hmm. right? In Hinduism, you're escaping mm-hmm. the cycle of suffering. And salvation is very much a, an individual thing. It's something mm-hmm. you achieve as an individual. But in the creed, we say, I believe in the, 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 the communion of saints, right? And that's right there with the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And so a lot of the imagery we have of, of life everlasting in the, in the scriptures is community, like a wedding feast, a household, a kingdom. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like, well, why do families live together? I think that's the reason why Christians meet together in worship. Yeah, and I, I think we miss out, and I'll, I'll talk more about this this coming Sunday in the sermon too, but when Jesus describes his followers, you know, he says, this is my command that you love one another. And it's such a central piece to his, like he's dying to save a people group, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's always been this way, right? In the Old Testament, uh, in Deuteronomy, Moses is like preaching to the people before he dies. And he's like, remember that you were chosen not because you were so great or so wonderful or so rich or anything like that, but because God loved you and he's caused you to be a chosen people. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the same thing that carries on into the church where we are a chosen race, you know, we're a holy nation. And there's not this conversation about uh, you are a, you know, you have been completely fulfilled and therefore are free uh, to be your true authentic self or something like There's not this individual pathway laid out. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have indi- individual pathways, but it's greater than that. We have been yeah. say the whole community has been saved of which we are a part. Well, and I think it, it even gets to the question of what is even the purpose of human existence and and to be a human being is to be created in the image of God and to be created in the image of God has to do with relationships. I mean, the Trinity is a relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so 
if the purpose of my life is to be in relationship and to love other people, then, then I can't do that alone. Just, you know, before we move on to the next question, just one more thing too. The, the way that Satan devours Christians is mm-hmm. when he gets them alone. Mm-hmm. And I have this picture in my mind of mm-hmm. a, a book about dinosaurs when I was a kid. And they had this picture in there of like a, an angry T-Rex, you know, like yeah. with the stubby little arms, <laughs> you know, stalking these uh, triceratops. And, and the triceratops had the baby triceratops like in, in the middle of a circle of triceratops, you know, horns sticking outward mm. in a circle, baby triceratops in the middle. This is all conjecture. Who knows if <laughs> triceratops did this? It's not like they found a fossil bed with them in a circle. <laughs> Uh, but, but the idea here is that you have uh, the stronger protecting the vulnerable mm-hmm. and they're together. Mm-hmm. And if Satan being as predatory as he is, if he's able to get us isolated, mm-hmm. then he's going to yeah. go after us when we're weak. Yeah. It makes sense thinking about the animal kingdom as a whole. I think elephants do that same thing too, that circle, that circle thing in mm-hmm. a, of strength, but it makes sense. Maybe they learned it from the Triceratops. Right. Yeah. <laughs> when they read a book about dinosaurs. <laughs> they shared information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to another question. Question number two. What hinders our worship? And hmm. I'm thinking back to an article that we all shared mm. uh, from Desiring God about idolatry in worship. And immediately when we think of idolatry, we think of the statue, the graven image, but... Um, you know, the article talked about some things that get in the way of our worship that mm. maybe are idols, even within the sanctuary. Mm. I think it's just so good when you walk, there's that book by um, Max Licato, It's Not About Me. And uh, I just always think about that when I walk into a place of worship, because I, I think as a society, we are a consumer society. We want our french fries hot our coffee at the exact right <laughs> temperature so that if we spill it in our lap it won't burn us we want everything just how we want it we want it isn't that doesn't mcdonald's have a commercial i want it my way i want it yeah. burger king yeah think, burger right. king yeah <laughs> so i think at worship we want it we want it our way we want the pastor to be really good not too long we want the music to be just my favorite hymns not too loud you know it, yeah. it's it's hard to break out of that consumer yeah yeah, it's like we're just always monitoring our experience and, and grading it. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that was like a C plus. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. It's interesting if you, <laughs> I was talking to, so I have some friends in Botswana who are translating the Bible into uh, the local language with Lutheran Bible translators. <laughs> Crazy life story, but they're very talented at this. And, but they were saying like, yeah, in, in Botswana, when the church gets together, it's like, Four and a half hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, as soon as you go there and you experience church in Botswana, you just, you're just absolutely broken of all these kind of consumeristic timing, yeah. Western stuff. It's just like, we're done when we're done and maybe we'll have a meal in the middle of it. And, and like, church starts when people get there. Yeah. 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 So it's right. just a very different expectation. Yeah. And I think there's a bit of a poverty to our expectations. There it's, is. I've been trying to encourage this um, example or just this comparison between a family meal. It's like when you go to, you know, Thanksgiving dinner at your family's house, you know, some people get there early, they set up stuff, you know, but there's like joy in the air. And then 
everyone else kind of piles in and you're there as long as you're there, you know, and you're there not to get in and get out, but you're there to enjoy the company of other people and celebrate. And like, we're talking about the marriage feast of the lamb here, which is a foretaste of that great feast, but we get to sell it. Hey, we get to have a taste now. And I think those elements should be involved. You know, we, we get together we're here till we're here. You know, I always love those people who linger after church. Yeah. You know, and their kids are like, let's go home. <laughs> and, but those people are blessed, you know, because they, they get it. They're like, I'm going to talk to one more person and I'm going to yeah. make that one more connection. I just love to see these other Christians. And I think that's the kind of mindset. Maybe we just need to have a Sabbath day yeah. and enjoy each other as Christians and enjoy the fact that we're going to be saved together and, that we share forgiveness now, you know? So I think it's, there's a poverty to this kind of, yeah, consumer in and out mindset. I'm going to, if I don't like it, I'm going to find another place, you know, like you're just missing so much of the, the richness of what the church actually is. Well, that's really convicting too, because I think about Thanksgiving meal and how much you anticipate it. Yeah. You think about it for days and weeks mm. ahead of time in the menu and the food and you're there that morning and you're smelling all the smells and you're just desiring it and you just can't wait yeah. for it to start. And then I just, the reason why it's convicting is because then sometimes in worship, you're just like, oh, I don't want to be here. Just get in, get out, get it over with, get on with my day, you know? And so it's, it can be convicting that I don't experience sometimes that same yeah. anticipation that I do for a meal, for food, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah, for food. Well, and, you know, if you set the table for Thanksgiving and then everybody's being picky about what you serve, like, oh, that turkey is too dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, I think that, that that can happen with worship. And one yeah. of the things the article was, was talking about is, you know you have an idol some idolatry in your worship if you say, I can't worship Jesus if, like, hmm. unless I have... Unless we're doing it from the hymnal, I can't worship Jesus. Or if we're doing it in the hymnal, I can't worship Jesus. Hmm. And I think that we should be really like worship omnivores. You know, like we should be like, hey, if we're going to get together and we're going to sing Shine Jesus Shine, you know, and uh, we're going to sing, you know, like as the deer, <laughs> you know, like 90s. Uh, contemporary songs or we're going to sing something that's like more recent or we're going to sing like break out the old red Lutheran hymnal. <laughs> yeah. right. It's all the same, right? I mean, some of us might prefer something, but at least we're doing it together and it's for Jesus. Right. 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 Hmm. Yeah. We get into these kind of these picky. That's why I kind of like a blended worship service myself um, because there's that purposeful <coughs> tension between perhaps there's no worshiper out there getting exactly what they want. Oh, I, I just love the hymns. Oh, there's a new one. What can that person really learn from, you know, from that new song? I like that blend. Mm. I like that purposeful tension. I wonder if like in the Old Testament when they worship together, you know, right. like, if there's people who are like, oh, I hate the heart. Can't there's, stand there's that it when they get again. that harp in here. David on that lute. Yeah, right. That psalm is the worst. Yeah, Psalm 68. Didn't we do this two weeks ago? Do we yeah. have to sing it again? Definitely not my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. One you of know, the things um, about Luther, well, about sacramental worship, you know, being a sacramental Christian, 
has a lot of bad, and actually liturgy too, because mm-hmm. it's like the liturgy saves a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I've, I I kind of joke about this, but I'm I'm also serious. Like I can preach a bad sermon, and and that means it's going to be something that maybe doesn't connect mm-hmm. or whatever or is a bad week. Um, but you know what? The liturgy is going to pull us through mm-hmm. because it's going to mm-hmm. pronounce the forgiveness of sins. And also in the sacrament, you know, Jesus shows up mm-hmm. and I can't really mess that one up. Jesus still shows up, still gives himself away uh, in love. And that's good. Even if you heard three bad songs and a bad sermon, Jesus still showed up. Mm-hmm. I've heard that about the liturgy too, that in some, in some uh, kind of mainline denominational churches where maybe the preacher isn't preaching the gospel, you know, the preacher's preaching whatever the latest trend is. Self-help. Or right. Yeah, but, but the liturgy is going to have these pieces of, of gospel, mm-hmm. of forgiveness, mm-hmm. the creeds, the, the sacrament. Those things are still there for God's people, even when the preacher is you know, sadly, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> dropping the ball. Um, one of the things I thought was interesting about uh, COVID when we were doing uh, recorded worship only was that we were forced to do a blended service and everybody was kind of forced to participate mm-hmm. in a blended. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting. And, and I watched, I watched, I participated rather <laughs> in worship uh, of another church. And this other church was had a distinct like, contemporary traditional service Mm -hmm. and those things never mixed and when I watched it I realized oh my gosh they just did both (laughs) people that Mm -hmm. had never maybe sang a hymn were singing hymns and people who had never sang like a like a contemporary worship song were doing that I Mm -hmm. thought that was such a beautiful thing to see those things brought together and because you know beggars can't be choosers Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh we you know that was worship and i bet that people were more favorably inclined to it like hey at least i get to worship right um i think that i hope that maybe covid has helped us mature a little bit but then again bad habits die hard so (laughs) we'll see then come back quick but yeah I, i hope the same thing i hope that God has, you know, taken a few things off the buffet menu for us Mm -hmm. during COVID. And Mm -hmm. I think that it's still, we're happy to eat. Yeah. I think it's caused us maybe to be grateful. So, Mm -hmm. so let's move on to question number three. Uh, What changing trends do we see in worship? This is the question I'm the most interested in because it may not be what we think. Um, Mm. And uh, I guess to start us out, uh, Jolene, do you want to talk about the Sing Conference? Because I think the Sing Conference, like I remember when I visited here and interviewed at Holy Cross, I sat down with you and we talked about worship. And first two minutes, I was like, you and I connect Mm -hmm. on worship. We have the same thinking. And and I think that the Sing Conference kind Mm -hmm. of embodies what we're talking about here. Well, Keith and Kristen Getty are the ones that do the the Sing Conference, and we've actually brought a lot of the Getty music um, back to Holy Cross. And the reason why is they're they're taking rich theological 
lyrics and putting them to very singable um, tunes, but that sound current, that sound relevant. And so they're kind of doing that that blend in the, the really excellent lyrics. I think a lot of people complain, you know, praise songs are just, you know, seven words, however, whatever that joke is about praise songs, you know, that's just, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I really, really <laughs> love you, Lord. And then they say, well, with hymns, there are all these, these gobbledygook words I can't pronounce and don't know what those words mean. So, you know, you hear from both of these camps. But I think the mm-hmm. Gettys, I think that is the trend, um, is kind of bringing back into contemporary praise music some some more rich theological um, lyrics. And I've seen just in the music trend, um, and the Gettys are doing a lot of this, they're taking the older hymns and bringing them back and then just adding in a praise chorus. And we've done a lot of that here with, just in the last couple of weeks, we've done Great is Thy Faithfulness, Blessed Assurance. you got the bones of the good hymn, and then you've got a praise chorus. So I kind of see the pendulum swinging back to Yeah, I don't know about you, you, Pastor Tim, but when I when I was growing up, within a church context, like, so say high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the contemporary music uh, scene was, was full-blown. And so, like, church for me would be, like, going to an auditorium mm-hmm. with some fake plants <laughs> and, <laughs> like, some really bare-bones altar, nothing really liturgical, song, mm-hmm. song, song, sermon, song. And the songs were very much, like, Jesus, I love you. Mm-hmm. I really love you. Mm-hmm. And sloppy <laughs> wet real kiss. This time, yeah. You love me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and granted, there's some. There is this. Of course, we love Jesus, and right. Jesus loves us. But we didn't really learn much mm-hmm. uh, about the story of salvation. The scriptures were not prevalent in in worship. And then. And then I remember experiencing more of a liturgical worship, and some of it was like gobbledygook. I'm like, yep. I have no idea what you just mm-hmm. said. But some of it was really rich and mm-hmm. teaching and, and even uh, emotional. Yeah. And I would say that a lot of the younger generation are kind of craving that. Yeah. As yep. interesting as that is, mm-hmm. uh, the younger generation doesn't always want what necessarily the baby boomer generation wanted, mm-hmm. which was, you know experiential kind experiential. of experiential yeah. i think that you have even millennials who are attracted to something like even roman catholicism or greek greek orthodoxy yeah because they want something ancient and sacred well and i do think that um people aren't coming to church to be entertained anymore i right. think that trend yeah. is yep because we're just not that great at it let's be honest <laughs> yeah we're not that cool and we're not that and we're uh, Lutheran, entertaining so we're <laughs> definitely not good at it so. <laughs> Um, but you know, they're, they're looking for like something that's not marketed mm-hmm. to them. It's like, don't market to mm-hmm. me because they can see it a mile away, mm-hmm. but they are looking for something. Yeah. That's, that's held up. Mm-hmm. That's well, that word authentic is a big word. Mm-hmm. It gets overused, but I think that authenticity is a, is a big deal for people these days. And, and I think that people really like have been sold to marketed to, and we've seen everything be plastic and out of the box, attractional. And I think a lot of times people are looking for a quiet place, a sacred place where this is maybe otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And and so that's where worship has been maybe kind of trending towards. For example, this kind of blew my mind. Uh, when I was taking classes down at Southern Seminary, which is a Southern Baptist seminary, I went to chapel there and the chapel 
um, first of all, they were doing liturgy and they were talking about things like sacraments and they were doing hymns. And they kind of discovered this as if it's this new thing. And here <laughs> I am in the back <laughs> like thinking, <laughs> I guess we were cool the whole time. Yeah, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this huge interest among evangelicals, you know, in the non-denominational scene of like things that Lutherans have been doing for 500 years and yeah. the church has been doing for, you know, roughly 2,000 years. Yeah, yeah. and be before that even. So even, you know, if we look in Acts chapter 2, when with the description of the church mm -hmm. and they're devoting themselves to the apostles teaching uh to the breaking of bread and to prayers it actually is to the prayers so there's an emphasis it's a there's a there's talking about a specific set of prayers and they're in the temple and so these prayers are likely the psalms it's the liturgy of the ch of the uh the people of god Mm -hmm. You know, that hasn't changed that much. We still use the Psalms, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And so they're devoting themselves to the life of the church, to the prayers that have been echoing throughout time. Well, and the, the liturgy, I've heard liturgy described as the work of the people, meaning mm -hmm. that the, the congregation is giving their service to God in, in the liturgy. And, and I think there's a contrast here between if you were to go to a medieval mass, so maybe in like, 1355, you were to drop into France somewhere and go to a mass, the priest would be doing his thing up there in Latin, and you would just kind of be there and not do anything, except maybe take the sacrament, maybe take the Lord's Supper. At least the bread. And just the maybe, bread. Maybe not the wine, yeah. But the priest is doing everything up there in Latin. He's the one doing the worship. The people, the lay people are not participating. One of the big changes in the Reformation was the Reformation gave worship back to the people. Hmm. They put the Psalms and the creeds and the confessions and the, and the scriptures back on the lips of the people. And they did that through hymnody. They did it through mm -hmm. songs. And so the Lutheran church was a singing church. Now, fast forward to the 21st century. One of the criticisms I've heard of, of modern worship is that we're back to this scene where you got this worship leader mm. in skinny mm -hmm. jeans, mm -hmm. you know. And the room is black. And, and the room you're is black. Sitting in a big auditorium, yeah, doing nothing. There's professional yeah. musicians up there. You don't need to sing; they that, can't hear right. you anyway. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Like yeah. they're cranked up, they're yeah. killing it with their vocal, mm -hmm. like auto tune. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> right. And then you're just kind of sitting there passively, like mm -hmm. you know, when's mm. the sermon going to start? But one of the cool things about the sing conference is they really focus on congregational singing, and that's really important, right? They do. They really, they want, and they even have, uh, this this year, it was such a bummer not to go because uh, the theme was going to be on Martin Luther and, and how, you know, just mm. the congregational involvement and, and some of the things that he was so so key in in, um, in reforming, as you say. Um, but yes, very big. And when Ron Crocker and I talked, you know, and we kind of did that cantata last year, that was kind of our musical mission statement for Holy Cross was so that the music would never get so good you know, up on the quote unquote stage that, that anyone couldn't participate mm. and that all of our songs had to be singable because we are all making music together as a Holy Cross uh, congregation. We're all in it together. So we mm. really wanted people to participate and let that be their, their offering. Well, and, and that's interesting God. what you said, because it, it's like, okay, maybe there's going to be a lower level, right? You know, like people, 
we can't expect people who have not practiced right and maybe don't aren't they're not professional opera right. singers they can't hit that really high note yep we can't expect them to so you we don't want them to yeah the form of music yeah. has to take a certain shape that's accessible it takes the shape of worship yeah. and mm-hmm. it's just like what you talked about to bring it full circle to you at the nursing home you didn't need to be a fully trained professional singer you just needed to bring the word of god through song to the mm-hmm. people and that is what we're doing here at holy cross and we're, yeah, we're bringing willing. the word of god through song to people we're willing hearts open hands hands open and god accepts our offering whatever that is mm-hmm. i think i think that singing in particular you know is a is a human gift mm-hmm course we you all know, have there's it. birds they sing pretty well we too but it. it's the singing to lyrics and mm-hmm. if we look at the bible the people of god are singing all over the place yep. and and also if we look at the the image of heaven yep. they're just singing they're just yeah. worshiping like and yeah so i think it's a very uh fulfilling human thing it's like fulfill your destiny yeah. sing this hymn mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah yeah all God's creatures got a place in the choir. Totally, yeah. It's <laughs> a you know, it's lower, a beautiful gift higher. that we, like, we just can shatter yeah. darkness yep. with this beauty. And it's not even that so much the the music that we're singing is is just worship to God. It's also part of our formation as disciples. I'll give you an example. One of the f- my favorite songs that we've been singing recently is Jesus Strong and Kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that song so much. It almost I'm, I don't cry easily, but it almost makes me tear up a little mm-hmm. bit because I think about my kids singing it, and and I want them to know Jesus in that way yep. that they can run to Him and that I can run to Him. Mm-hmm. And so, I think the mark of a good worship song is that the words are going to sustain you through difficulties or give expression to joy and and so that you can sing that song uh when you're driving in the car and you had a bad day like i and that's why i think that even committing songs or hymns to memory is Mm -hmm. is excellent Mm -hmm. so for example one of my favorite songs um and i sing this with bria sometimes at bedtime um is uh, Christ be my leader. Mm-hmm. Such a wonderful mm-hmm. message. You know, Christ be my leader by night and by day, mm-hmm. safe through the darkness for he is the way. That's all John fourteen six. by the way. If mm-hmm. you look at the lyrics, it's mm-hmm. he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Mm-hmm. So it's scripture that's so comforting that gets deep down in our bones. And uh, that's, I think, the benefit of congregational singing. Mm-hmm. I think, um, <laughs> so I'll tell you a quick funny story, but... We used to always, in Thunder Bay, we used to almost always sing the doxology, mm-hmm. almost every service. Mm-hmm. And we would sing it when we brought the offering up. Mm. And so it was just, and one of the reasons we did that is because we noticed that the children began to sing it, you know, at age three, mm-hmm. things like that. And so we would do it every time. And for Lent, we would not sing it. So we would stop singing. And then we would bring it back Easter morning. And so <laughs> Easter morning comes and I tell everyone, okay, everyone, we're going to sing the doxology. We haven't been singing this for, you know, six weeks now. And so I w- really want you to sing as loud as you can. And whoever sings the loudest <laughs> gets some cheap chocolate because Easter, right? <laughs> and I'm kind of snarky like that. <laughs> and so people laugh. And then, but my son Max took it completely seriously. And he's like, you know, he's five at the time. And so as we, as the church starts singing, he's like, just 
top of his lungs, praise God for, and the whole congregation starts laughing. I can laughing. see Max doing that. Oh man, he just he just nailed it. And he then wanted I, some chocolate. Yeah, and after the after the service, he was like, "Where's my chocolate?" Yeah, because he was like, "I know I won that." <laughs> like, yeah, no but, doubt. But yeah. I think that there's that simple, repetitive songs, you mm-hmm, know, in the yeah. liturgy. Like I heard my son Leo singing, "This mm-hmm. is the feast." Mm-hmm. Um, and he almost got most of the lyrics, so they're catching it so quick. Yeah, yeah. And there's something really beautiful about these these songs that get woven into mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. hearts together. Which you know, it's kind of like take me out to the ball game mm-hmm. or something. You know, it's like everyone knows it, everyone's mm-hmm. singing it. They don't have to know the lyrics, you know. Yeah. So th- there's something powerful about that. Well, and I, we're working on that here at Holy Cross, too. In the spring, right before COVID hit, of course, I asked everybody their their favorite hymns. And, you know, what do we, as a church family, what do we want to, from cradle to grave, what do we, you know, what's the top 40 hymns we want people to know? And we want to start it in Sunday school. We want those babies to know them. And we want it to be comforting then when you're, uh, you know, as you spoke in the nursing home and Alzheimer's in your brain is no mm. longer there, but you hear, you know, what a friend we have in Jesus. And all of a sudden that brain can be brought to life just, you know, for the lyrics yeah. of, of that song. And so, yeah. That's we, been one of the most moving things for mm-hmm. me as a pastor is to go visit somebody who's almost 100. Mm-hmm. Their mind is gone. Yeah. But they still can recite the 23rd Psalm. Right. Or even like the confession of sin, like, most merciful God, I confess yep. to yeah. you. That, yeah, they, they, they know it. Yeah. It's there. The um, songs are there too. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up here today, um, I'm going to throw out maybe a challenge. And if you guys want to throw out some challenges too, you know, we always want the podcast to be practical, like mm-hmm. something we can do. And, and sometimes this is maybe just a baby step you know, in our walk with Christ. But uh, I'm going to really challenge people. Like if you go to the 930 or 11 service, I'm going to challenge you to wake up a little earlier mm-hmm. and come to the eight o'clock service and maybe do that for a month. Because number one, you're going to get to know some people um, that you don't know. And then also you're going to maybe sing some songs that you, you don't know. And it might be awkward. You might not feel like your bucket's as filled. But, but you're doing a cool thing. And, uh, and maybe if you go to the 8 o'clock service, I'm going to encourage you to come to the 11 o'clock uh, and get to know some people that you don't know, sing some songs you don't know. Um, the same Jesus is there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember <laughs> at a previous church, we, we challenged people to, to do this, to flip services. Mm-hmm. And then there was one person who did it. <laughs> you need like a bingo card. You, know, you yeah. can fill it in, get it punched when you're there Saturday at 530 and get it, you know. I think I already gave this idea. challenge to the church one time. You did. Yeah. And... Props to Byron Hansen. <laughs> I think <laughs> he, he Byron switched. came to the eight o'clock service. Yeah, I, I think especially now and with the COVID question marks yeah. going on, we have this nine thirty service that's packed. usually packed. Yeah, and then other services are pretty open, mm-hmm. emptier. And so it would be a double service, you know, both to yeah. expand your mm-hmm. boundaries in, in worship, but also to do a service to the church to help make it safe for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good challenge. My and challenge is for people to look up um, Keith and Kristen Getty um, and give me a song that you want to that you want to do in worship. So you got to Google Keith and Kristen Getty, YouTube, Spotify. They're everywhere. Apple Music, and uh, give me a song that you like by them. 
So I you will hold me fast. There, oh, that's that's <coughs> such a good one. I, we did we've that done that one. here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, Do you have a challenge? I I don't know if I have a. I think. Who can sing the doxology the loudest? <laughs> oh, there, oh, I want the chocolate challenge. There's chocolate. For I'll Easter, bring the chocolate yeah. challenge. Yeah. Uh, bring the chocolate challenge to Holy Cross. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think I can think of maybe liturgy appreciation would be good. Mm. Like, actually, we just, I had a bit of an emotional response to this. We just put hymnals back in our pews. Yes. And for whatever reason, they just look right there they yep. just look ready to go and that's like that's kind of where our sacred songs are yep. and so um, maybe just read through the liturgies and just see what's in them and actually there's um, if you wanted to go online and find a liturgy there's a liturgy that the Eastern Orthodox Church uses that was written by John Chrysostom who was a super early church father I don't know 280 hmm. mm, more like 400 something okay you know yeah. more about this but yeah so John Chrysostom wrote this and they're still using it and if you just read through it it's like it's poetry mm -hmm. beautiful language mm -hmm. it's poetry yeah. and it's it's deep it's deep stuff and it, it calls you into kind of this deep encounter with God mm -hmm. and so I think if you're someone who's like, I don't know why the church does all this like kind of rote <laughs> boring stuff um hey, take a second look because they're on to something. Mm -hmm. And maybe when you come to worship and you're doing the liturgy and when you're saying, you know, the Lord be with you and also with you or, or we're doing like that spoken back and forth response of, of uh, you know, the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and then to give, give his, his life, life as a ransom. ransom. Like really get into it, you know. Yeah. Don't just kind of, because this is a challenge with liturgy is that sometimes liturgy can become, you know, mm -hmm. kind of like brushing your teeth, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, mm -hmm. But really the liturgy is going to be an opportunity for you to to use a modern worship term to give your heart to God in worship. <laughs> you know, to yeah. say, God, here I am. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm offering myself up as a sacrifice in, in participating in this. Yeah. And, uh, in Thunder Bay, the, uh, when the guys would go snowmobiling, they would always say, giver. Like that's that means full throttle, and so when you come to church, give her on the give liturgy. Her. Yeah, give her on the liturgy. <laughs> give her. Say it like you mean it. There you go. Yeah, yeah. try to be the loudest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Only for chocolate. We used to have our at my previous church in Connecticut. We used to have the doors open because we didn't have air conditioning mm. in the sanctuary, so we'd keep the doors open. And I think on Easter we would say. Let's sing so loud yeah. that the neighbors can hear us. <laughs> oh, cool. Make them wonder what's going on in there, uh, like you it. know. Yeah. And because uh, we had, we were in a residential area, so. And this is also it, a service to the church. Like some of the most uplifting worship I've ever been to is when, actually, at pastors' conferences, it's pretty mm, cool. Yeah. Because there's like ninety percent men yeah. who know how to rock this. And they sing loud, and it's just like, oh man, you yeah. feel not like all you're of in them the are army. Great singers, no, but they're, they're just doing <laughs> it. <laughs> they're yeah. just giving her. <laughs> yeah, they're giving her. <laughs> so, if you're a man, one of the most manly things you can do is you can sing and worship, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. We just had our men's praise thing. team up here last week, so yeah. yeah, they're doing it. It's as manly as shooting a shotgun, or it is. It is. Or it it honestly does take a little courage. So, yeah. be a man. Yeah, sing and worship. That's right. That's a T-shirt. Grip right it and there. rip it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fun. Thanks, Jolene, for yep, coming on. You got it. We'll have to have you on again someday, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week. What are we doing next week? 
hey, guess what? Spencer's going to be on next oh, week. Hey. Spencer Heinrichs. All right. Yeah. So we'll just be talking about more of this theme of what it means to be in the church. Being in community. Being, yep. Mm-hmm. Saved, yep you to, saved to serve in community. Yep. So that's what we're looking at. And I think, well, uh, yeah, I think you, there's so much richness to this theme in, in the scriptures. We could do another 10 sermons, but mm-hmm. just looking at this, this really clear picture of a nation, right? That you are a holy nation. Um, you are a people and you have talents and gifts to give to the nation of God. Yeah. Cool. We'll see you next time.